What's up, guys? Just wanted to let you know about our upcoming shows. So on March 23, we're going to be at Lekha, Manila. We're going to be performing with the Poetry Circle there. Um, that should be fun. There are a bunch of other acts, talented people. That's on uh, 3790 Mascardo Street. Mascardo Street. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Barangay Santa Cruz, Makati City. What so, is it again? Lika, Manila on March 30. Oh, March 23. Fuck. March 23, Lika, Manila, Makati. Okay? And um, on March 30, I'm going to be performing solo because uh, my fearless DJ is going to the beach. Yeah. Uh, uh, good for you, bro. Um, we're, I'm going to be playing at Rooftop that's in Katipunan in Quezon City come through that's going to be uh, our friend uh, Luigi Ligarda is putting up a new uh, hip hop collective and they are dedicated to playing boom bap style like 80s 90s style rap sweet uh, pretty cool right like kind of literally our pocket <laughs> yep yep so it's gonna be pretty fun and I think the crowd they're inviting is into that so it's gonna be a hype night she come through. Rooftop is a cool place too. Uh, just prepare for some stairs. And that's it. Those are our shows for the month of March. Uh, we also played in Bodega on... When was that? The 6th... Uh, what day is it today? Is it the 10th, I think? Or the 9th? 9th. Yeah, the 9th. So that was cool too. Thanks to those guys. But yeah, again, Lika, March 23. Rooftop, March 30. See you guys there. Just to clarify, this is for no one's home. Yes, we're, we are also... We're, we're not doing a live podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're still a rap group, guys. So if you want to come and watch us, please come through. Yo. Welcome to No One's Homies episode four. Yep, yep. What's up? My name is Clau. This is Mark. Hello again. Uh, for those of you that are still with us, thank you. <laughs> it's nice to have you still. And if you're new, welcome. Yes. Hope you listen to the old episodes. They're pretty good too, I think. And I think, I mean, they're not too dated yet at this point. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, so this is our fourth episode. We just had our first guest in our last episode. And uh, our first sponsor which was Forza, and I wanted to congratulate them on throwing a, uh, or should I say like executing, a successful obstacle run. Um, full disclosure, two of our friends from uh, high school actually went to that run because they heard about it from this podcast. How awesome is that? <laughs> Dude, ad material working? Who ever heard of that? So if you're looking to sponsor a <laughs> podcast... We have a proven track record. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, but it was there crazy, man. That, that was like the power of ads. It's it's real. I know. And I I never thought... I mean, sure, it was people that we know personally, but like I never thought it would work. Oh, yeah, great. Right. Pretty cool, pretty cool. And also, they gave us shirts as part of the sponsorship, uh-huh. and I used one when I ran. Yeah. It's nice, it's nice. It's yeah, a good shirt. I, I've used um the shirt as well while working out, and it is... It does give you that like kind of breezy feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you said, it really wicks that sweat away. Yeah. 
And uh, my the design of my shirt had some Chinese characters, and and you're the Chinese <laughs> one in the duo. <laughs> yeah, no, but my uh, one of my like my relatives when they came over was like, do you know what your shirt says? And I forget exactly what it is, but it was like, never give up or some something around oh. that line. She was like, that's a good message. At least like, at least it doesn't say like show my. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> so it's for real, man. Forza knows what they're doing. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, I just wanted to congratulate them and uh, look out for their brand. They do a lot of cool stuff. Anyway, on to the show. We have a... I, okay, no. I was going to say, we have a pretty good show for you guys today. We hope. We hope, though. W- one day when we really are like super duper smooth with this, I will be ready to say on a regular basis, we have a great show for you guys. But full disclosure, I don't know yet what you'll think of this show. <laughs> But we have our regular segments for you. So we have uh, what we've been consuming. We have the, um, this is a tentative name for our sports section, which we call the sports schmenter. <laughs> sports schmenter. Yeah. And then uh, we move on to our uh, our most popular segment, I think, the thinking block, which is where we just bring up some ideas that we want to talk about. Usually the main topic of the, the yeah, pod. Yeah, normally the uh, meat of the conversation. I think I'm going to up your gain a bit. Okay. Okay. So uh, what we've been consuming. Uh, you want to go first? I go first. Sure, I'll go with my first one. Okay. Um, well, this one I just watched earlier today. It was a rewatch of uh, Moneyball. Okay. I've been on sports, um, like consumption like movies and documentaries recently my the other thing i want to talk about is also sports but yeah moneyball it's it's still a good movie it holds up right mm-hmm. especially as a fan of sports and like since we try to talk about sports with some analysis yeah you kind of appreciate that um moneyball like they use a lot of stats and data analysis right and that's such a big deal in sports now mm-hmm. they yeah. were like the pioneer for that right like um, that's that story i'm not sure if in all of sports but in baseball at least because basically they're the team it is a true story um the team the oakland a's had a small budget which was basically maybe a third of like a new york yankees payroll at the time and they found a way to make it like make it work where they were the champ at least like regular season wise they were the best team in their league, in their conference. Playoffs didn't work so well. That was like the 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 grand crux of the movie, uh-huh. and kind of like that story where these statistics might make sense on paper, but in a sports scenario, when the pressure's on, yeah. sometimes it doesn't. Um, it's not a science anymore, right? That's true, right? So that's kind of the message that I took from it. But it's interesting. I love. Um, I love sports and I like that idea where you're learning more about how it, how these people are thinking about how to succeed, especially as a team. Mm-hmm. And Jonah Hill was good in it. It's one of his serious roles, right? Yeah, so was Brad Pitt, actually. Mm-hmm. Brad Pitt yeah. was great in that movie. Uh, I, was, I was going to say, that's what I like about that movie too. The fact that they they recognize that there's the, the dimension of sports. It's like, yes, you, there's analytics, the things that's on paper, but... You know, when it when it comes to sports, like it's there's always the intangible factor. Yeah, there's this like one scene towards the end where after you know, they lose in the the playoffs, um, and they're kind of rethinking what went not what went wrong, but just what happened, like what took place, what did we learn really? And Jonah Hill and Brad Pitt's character were like in the film room, and he plays this clip of like a a guy who, by their statistics, was like you know, not the not the player that they would pick 
based on numbers, right? Or based on his own numbers, basically what he did was this is a fat like player and he he's so slow that he never hits a double, which in baseball means you make it all the way to second base on the hit. He always just makes it to first because he's just too slow. Parang that's his statistic. And when he hit the ball, parang he said like this was the one time he deviated from that and he tried to go towards second base and he tripped off their first and he fell and he was like on the floor lang. And then they were like, oh, they're laughing at him. But they didn't. what he didn't realize was he actually hit a home run from the beginning. Like he so, didn't realize it at all. Yeah. So he thought that like he'd blown the play. Yeah. I mean, like it's just that idea where by the numbers, he shouldn't be doing this. And he deviated from it. So, and it showed he failed. So it's like the numbers in that scenario is like, that's where it holds up, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. But beyond that, like, he had a home run, which was not even in the calculations at the first place. Yeah. So the, then Brad Pitt's just like, how can you not be romantic about baseball? Because mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, they were basing their whole philosophy on numbers, but then there's certain points where it's like, it's true. it just transcends, in the world of sport at least. True. Uh, shit, I forgot to mention that we have shows coming up. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot to. We can do it at the end. Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh, what else? What else have you been consuming? The second thing that was also sports that F one documentary Netflix. You mentioned this. Yeah. So it's new. I think I've I've seen that uh, other people already like post like they enjoy it. If you don't like F one, I think it's still a good sports documentary in general. It's because F one's kind of it's uh, a unique sport in itself, right? There's like yeah, um, sure. Uh, there's a lot of money involved in making sure you succeed, which happens in all sports. But in F1 particularly, it's like you spend money, you get a better car. It's yeah, exactly. Because technology. Yeah, the, the direct correlation is there. You have bigger money, more development. It's like R&D. More money to use it on yeah. R&D, better car. So in the documentary, it's short, kind of short episodes, like 30 minutes. There's like, I think, 10 of them. Basically, there are different storylines they look at. Now. One is that small team, big team dynamic. Where it's like how do small teams in F1 who usually don't get the press like a Ferrari or a Mercedes team. What? How is their life actually in F1? Which was one thing I've never seen before. Oh. Yeah. So it's like how? What is it like for being for the people being last place on the in the race? Yeah. What is their team like? How do they run? What are their the team? What are the brands of those cars? Um, the teams in the man. They develop their own car, but if you're not usually a, a car manufacturer, you have to buy like the engine from um, another uh, from a real manufacturer. Like you can buy it from Ferrari, you can get their engine, you can get a Mercedes engine, other brands. I think Renault, okay. Honda. Yeah. So that's also so yeah, yeah. If you're a smaller team or even a big team like Red Bull, they're not a car manufacturer, yeah, yeah. right? So they have to buy engines from another and manufacturer. Sebastian Vettel's. Old team, yeah. old team. He's Ferrari now. Yeah, but, but he was more successful then, right? Yeah, that's where he won, I think, his, all his championships. Mm-hmm. And that's also another storyline because there's a relationship between some of these manufacturers who have teams and their customers who are using their engines. In other teams. Yeah, like <laughs> the one in the, the show was like Renault supplies Red Bull, but they're directly competing in terms of... Um, ranking. Ranking with third <laughs> and fourth. So it's like... Are you, how, the the guys like we're not the Red Bull people are like we're trying to control our success but they're directly linked to Renault yeah. who can control 
the major part of their car. Yeah, on an unrelated note, that's kind of, or, I mean, related in terms of that concept. That's kind of like how Samsung makes the screens for iPhones. Yeah. You know? Like, it's, I'm trying to beat them in the market, <laughs> but I'm also making their shit so good. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so there's that, yeah, that's the, there's that relationship management. It's if you, it's an if you, I know, uh, dynamic for these teams. Yeah. And then you can also there's also storylines about individual drivers which are also pretty good. But contract negotiations, how do you want to succeed? What is your path to success? Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. I watched an old uh, this uh, not recently but like I I used to like F1. There was like a point maybe towards the end of high school that I was I got pretty deep into it and then it was only for like a year. Mm-hmm. I never stuck around. Uh, but I think it's because I watched the documentary on Ayrton Senna. Dude. Dude, what a documentary. Yeah. What a guy. You know, he was just like, he was like a, he was like a, he was like a Jordan. Yeah. Like just kind of yeah. killing the game. Transcends again yeah. the sport. He, it kind of, it's also in that documentary now when you listen to the drivers and their, um, basically how they think. Because F1 is also kind of a crazy sport. Yeah, I know that they're like basketball. There's a certain mentality to succeed, right? But F one is like, I'm red. you're on the edge of a car crash every second, right? And you're going, yeah, and That's like why. not just a normal car crash, yeah. like for the most dangerous car crash you could probably have, right? Yeah, it's oh, it's kind of crazy. Um, but but they're in a weird way they seem so calm about being in such a dangerous state. You know, like serenity about they're just in the zone because yeah. they have to be. So it's a good watch. Senna is also a good watch if you're looking for like F1-related Rush. Yeah. Also, Rush, we mentioned Rush, it before, yeah. I think. And the F1 season is actually starting next week. So these are all Maybe it's like, the time relevant. to jump back in. Dude, I love watching F1. I used to play the video game too. On That's like the hard. PS4. That's a hard video game. And the way I would play it is I try to like get it close to the real thing. Yeah. I couldn't do full race lengths because that's like 50 laps, which yeah. is basically you're there for two hours with the controller. <laughs> so I would do half, but you're like locked in for at least an hour. And if you you just mess up and you spin out, that's like, you know, 45 minutes in. Yeah. You're kind of screwed. Yeah. See, that's what that was the part of that game that didn't appeal to me. <laughs> Uh, like it was just even <laughs> same with Gran Turismo like I, I get it it's fucking cool because it's really realistic mm-hmm. but it's like at a certain point it's too realistic for yeah. me you know I don't I kind of want some craziness you want like the highlight version of it yeah like burnouts I like burnouts <laughs> <laughs> where, where you get more points for crashing into more shit that was a classic game too classic yeah. game pretty good graphics for what it was you know like what was it like PSP PS started in the ps2 and then there was an uh, ps3 there was a psp version but there was a ps3 xbox 360 version that was pretty crazy it was like open world and you kind of control yourself yeah it was pretty great game kind of hope for a comeback for that kind (laughs) of game i think there's a lot of game types that get outdated and then like you know i mean like that platforming thing is more of an indie yeah like the um that style 2d platformers Mm -hmm. beating levels that it still exists, but it's like a more on the indie side now than the mainstream. You don't see EA doing that. True. 
Okay, we we we've strayed away a bit from uh, what we've been consuming. So, oh, well, uh, we were consuming these things. True. Uh, what what uh, is there anything else? No, I'm good. What you got? Um, I've been consuming quite a few things. So, first off, uh, the new Lust Bass album, it's pretty damn good. He's a local keyboardist slash just he's a producer. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um he produced for I think he produces for Jess Conley, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Or he no, at least did at one time. And he did and I think he does some of the live gigs with her. There you I've go. I've seen that at least. He's I, I I mean I've heard of him before. I've heard some of his music, but I had never really liked Dude, we met him in a gig. The um, Ama on Madhouse. What? If you're listening, yeah, Madhouse. I think we played there once yeah, with Jess Conley. Yeah, right? we opened for Jess Conley, but he I was don't there. remember. I, okay, I don't yeah. remember meeting him exactly. I mean, I remember like going up to Jess and being like, hi, <laughs> <laughs> but not like... Yeah, we just said like hi to, to him. Yeah, true. He's a chill-looking yeah, guy. Okay. That's, that, I feel we more really met Shadow Mo. Like those guys we spent like mm-hmm. maybe like a good 15, 20 minutes with. Conversation, Just yeah. talking. And they're like us, you know, a little more, a little more abrasive, but like, I mean, they are, but <laughs> well, they're cool. They're cool, dude. Yeah. But like, the I feel like we met them. Yeah, I don't yeah, feel yeah. like I met Lust Base, but his album is fucking good. Uh, it's called Introverse One Voyager. It is, wow. It's like, well, okay. I mean, it's it's like a it's like a simpler. A simpler person's taste for like classical music, modern, you know what I mean? Like nothing too complicated. It's not Chopin, it's not, you know, like Beethoven, but just the just using the grand piano sound to, to carry most of the music. So it's an instrumental album. All instrumental. Hmm, Dude, interesting. It's good. It's good. And like you hear you kinda get to know him by listening to it, you know? Really? Yeah, because you can he, he can you can kind of tell he's a quiet person just yeah, by yeah, listening yeah. to the album, mm-hmm. but just by looking at him too. But like mm-hmm. when you listen to the album, you're like, okay, I kind of get you. Like not really like I know you in and out, but like I have an idea of the kind of dude you are. <laughs> dude, it's cool when yeah. you make music. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. I'll yeah. check it out. I haven't I haven't had a chance. Props to Lust Bass Man. Like he that, that was I was very impressed. I didn't know what to expect. I I haven't been listening to him a long time, so. I will be listening from now on. Uh, I've also watched a few musicals. I watched uh, Musical Napo, which is the Apo Hiking musical, and Anghuling El Bimbo, which is the Eraserheads musical. Mm-hmm. You met us after that one, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, both really, really good. Um, Musical Napo was a smaller production in Maybank Theater. Where's that? Uh, in BGC, near the Night Market. Across uh, McDonald's where Pablo's used to be. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was really good. Uh, the the uh, I because I really love the Apple Hiking Society. So hearing their music translated into a play and seeing like a pseudo story of theirs, like it's not actually the the true, like by the detail story of Apple, but it was like a close rendition the idea of like they started out as 12 guys mm-hmm. and actually the three because the guy there are only three members but those three members were kind of like backseat guys during the the 12 ensemble they had like friends who were really like they carried star power and then uh at, like, eventually they the the friends got like lives and like did, did other things and those guys decided to pursue music so 
I th- I thought that was cool. I like characters like that 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 um you know, they don't always come off as like the the guy who would probably make music or be an actor, or do something artistic and then suddenly like oh shit, they're like world, country famous like, <laughs> standard for music. <laughs> the Anghuling El Bimbo though, that for me was just I was blown away by that play. Um bigger production being in resorts world. And it was just so good. Like the the band was good, the musical arrangements, the way that the songs, like, made room for each other in in the in the parts that were like uh, crossovers or whatever, and just the emotions. The emotions are so fucking heavy. I, I don't want to spoil anything, but I'm telling you, like, don't go into that thing thinking that it's going to be like a like a happy college story. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's pretty fucking dark, <laughs> even for like, cause like y- you kind of think that there's going to be a sort of w- like whitewashy version of dark on a pl- in a play, just what I'm used to. Not necessarily what plays are in essence. Like just what I'm used to in Philippine plays is like this is kind of like the the R13 version. Not really. Okay, the, they don't go all. Yeah, in. this was all in, man. Mm-hmm. I mean. Kulang na lang just the actual actions of the violence that's committed, but the way that it's portrayed on stage to make it effective is. F- oh, what what's the? It's quite the, shaking. What's the basic like gist the, of this one? Uh, the there, plot. The plot is uh, there is a mer- there was a hit and run, um, uh, and this girl dies, mm-hmm. and then uh, there are three guys brought in f- as uh, suspects ish. Persons of interest more. Okay. And uh, th- it turns out that they were all college friends. Uh, damn, again, the goosebumps just talking about <laughs> it again. Uh, the, th- the three guys were new roommates in college. And then they met this girl who was working at the college Karindiria in uh, UP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it shows their life in college. And then it also shows the uh, how they're going through the process of like, the police talking to them and whatever and like them and then there's like a significant event that's referred to that that you find out about in the middle of the so there's the three main characters it's just yes it revolves around I'd I'd actually argue the girl is a main character okay yeah but uh dude oh what a what a play uh and other than that uh, another heavy thing I've been consuming but I don't know I just came across True Detective season 3 uh, do you watch season one? I have never watched that show. Oh, HBO series. I don't yeah. watch too many of them okay. just because I don't download many shows. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, it's it's a. I know it's supposed to be very. Yeah, good. the 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 basic premise of True Detective is like guys who were born to be detectives, like how they they go to the they go to find the truth of the case even outside the parameters of law. Okay, just because like it's in their nature. Okay. Like there's a there's like a. Uh, but they are detectives. They're detectives, but but there's kind of like a sort of parallelism with um, hunter gatherers and the the type like trackers of of early human times. Not that they go to those periods, but they refer to them. It's like a, like Matt Matthew McConaughey in season was like well back in the 
<laughs> we had they will survive like you know like his typical thing and season three is uh mohershala ali mm-hmm. he he's trying to solve the murder of two missing kids uh, uh the sorry not the murder the disappearance of two missing kids okay and uh takes a few twists and turns but the ending i would have to say is a little disappointing oh well <laughs> yeah that it's a little underwhelming but i just wanted to let anyone know who wanted to see it like it's better than season two season two was dog shit season three was passable but season one is the, still the best yeah i would highly recommend anyone that is listening to this and you mark to go yeah. watch season one man <laughs> If I get a chance to see it on HBO. Yeah. Oh, well, season one, they won't replay that. They, they might. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. And they'll definitely cut a lot of stuff out. Oh, yeah, TV, yeah. Though. Okay, HBO series. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. uh, is that it? What else uh, you have? From what I've been consuming, I think that's about it. Uh, yeah, I think we're good. I honestly consume so much shit. Like, <laughs> I, I think I've been taking it slow. I mean, I talked about like the two, the documentary and mm-hmm. the the money ball but i've been trying to just also well listening to podcasts which i don't really want to talk about here because they're just too long in yeah, themselves and, right and they have so many ideas in yeah them already. but i mean you know joe rogan episodes there's some good ones from the past week mm-hmm. the sam harris one if did you yeah check yeah that i did out? actually good, twice it's and really then good. um mark maron podcast also check that out yeah he has a one thousand one thousandth episode yeah yeah i think yesterday mm-hmm. road tripping if you're an nba fan also good mm-hmm. so yeah i mean we consume a lot on that daily basis you know? but i've been trying to more like pick out the major events mm-hmm. so yeah i think that's it okay so with that i think we can transition to the sports schmanter <laughs> we need a better name disclaimer Please. he he only told me this name during right? the podcast because yeah. I knew he'd make me change it. <laughs> Sports Schmanter. <laughs> it's an ode to our friends. I man. know, I know. Shout out, Carbs. <laughs> um, uh, if you find a better name, because even I don't like this name that much, <laughs> if you think of a better name that either relates to us or, I don't know, is in theme with like the other segments that we have which are not in theme with each other anyway just let us know hit us up people have been giving us a lot of good suggestions to make this show better so thank you yeah thank you to those people as well so what do you got for sports uh okay so i just wanted to give a shout out to my boy john jones oh okay yeah Yeah. uh defended his title again for the oh god i should have researched that well might have been like the well, so, the second I mean, time since he's... Since he came back. Yeah, since he's beaten DC for it, I think. No, no. Oh, no, he sorry. He back. beat Gustafsson yeah. to reclaim it. So the first time since he's gotten back, really. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's probably the greatest MMA fighter of all time. I think I think so. so. I really do. I think we have differing opinions on his personality. Although in that fight, I think he looked a lot better and more like grounded. But as a fighter, I've always thought like he's never had... A fight where he was out of it. Even oh yeah, his first Gustafsson fight, which was maybe it the was closest to fight. his lot, closest, I mean, win he's had. Mm-hmm. He never looked out of it. He looked like he was in the pocket competing. But it's yeah, true. I watched that fight also against um, what's his name, Smith? Yeah, Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith. It was okay. Anthony Smith tried his best, but John Jones is a Dude, killer. There are, le- there are levels to this shit. Mm-hmm. No, and you know, referring to what you said about his personality, um. Well, John Jones is known to be 
like a belligerent person <laughs> yeah like, that's a bad thing yeah he he got into a lot of he has if like a couple of duis he got popped for uh, performance enhancing drugs got popped for cocaine but you know like when it comes down to it if you just look at what he's done as a fighter as a fighter he's just the most accomplished he's unbeaten except his, yeah his only loss is a dq mm-hmm. to matt the hammer hammer <laughs> You know, so Matt the Hammer's got that. Yeah, like I go to the, he goes to his bar. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's like if lives. Anthony Smith took the the W from uh, from getting a knee to the head. Yeah, yeah, that was the most the most interesting part in the fight. Well, where it could have gone wrong again if you didn't watch it. Basically, John Jones kneed him in the face while he was um considered on the ground, which is an illegal shot in the UFC. Yes. So yeah. he could have gotten a DQ there and yeah. lost the as title. long as as long as both hands or as long as one hand is on the ground, you can't knee to the head. Yeah, but or sh- both knees. Shout out to Anthony Smith. He didn't take that easy road out. He's no a way. fighter. No man. way. He's a fighter. They mm-hmm. call him the Lion. You know, I think Lionheart. Lionheart. Yeah. Well, either way, he's a gritty guy. That's like his reputation, mm-hmm. right? Like he can take a punch. He he'll always like fight to the. End. Basically, but, he did that. Yeah. He did that. It looked a little rough at one point when they were like kneeling down in front of each other and John Jones was just like smacking him. Like, I yeah. was like, this kind of looks like a classroom like bitch around session. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, was, that, that was cool. I just like seeing John Jones win. I, I also just want to see him redeem himself as a person. That's what I said. Yeah, prior from that fight, he looked more in control also as a like more mature so i hope so also for him because i do like him but long grab after everything that he's done like i've always liked him Mm, when he was in his rough patch that's where i was like you know he needs to change for me to feel like he is the representative of the sport i i felt the same way but i think i was just a little more on the side of um i felt like he was just like an old friend that i was like i'm I'm not condoning the things that you do, but I'm I'm here if you need me just because I want you to be better. Yeah. <laughs> it's more like I just put a little bit more pressure because you're, you're going to be the face of the sport. Yeah, and there, for like ever almost, yeah. you know? So you have to have that certain responsibility like before, that comes with it. Before him, I think the GOAT was GSP. And I would... I would uh, Obviously, I'd say it's Anderson Silva, but like everyone in the community, it's pretty much a consensus that GSP was the most. But um, let's just say like um, both of them, right? Yeah, that's what they're saying. They both treated the sport but with respect it, in to a, a way. To a level, but Anderson was still associated mm-hmm. with juvenile behavior. Sure. But GSP was always like a pro's bro. Yeah. You know, he never spoke out of line and he he came to work, did his job and was always gracious, even in defeat. Yep. You know? Anderson too, actually. He's been gracious in defeat, which is... I just love Anderson. And John, John Jones, man, like, what a guy. He's just... He's like LeBron, you know? You want... He does so many good things on the court, but, but why do you have to do all this shit outside of the court that makes you seem like such a weird dude? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's basically it, yeah. On, on when the fight, no doubt, he is a, the best bro i'm pretty sure he's Ar- the best yeah. yeah i mean you could argue that there are a few because he's fought good opponents and he's really yeah. made it look easy like fedor in his prime sure like i would argue that's a fair fight you know but but the comparison when it john comes, jones yeah. and lebron that's yeah. what it feels exactly. like to me it's true yeah um so other than ufc 235 which is where john, there was actually another ufc after that but 
y'all don't want to hear about that because you don't know who those fighters are. <laughs> um, and uh, after that, I wanted to talk about actually probably the most pressing pressing issue today in the NBA. I know what it is. Which is that the uh, what, what do you think it is? It's it's the historic win by the Phoenix Suns. Oh, oh my God! Over the Golden State Warriors. Okay, I I wasn't yeah. gonna mention that, but that's actually probably the real most pressing story right now. You know what we feel about the Warriors. I'm not gonna say <laughs> it again, but let it be known that Devin Booker torched the Golden State Lights Warriors. Lights out, man. Lights he out. He had like 11. Uh, 16 uh, somewhere like 11 points at the half ended with 37 to beat y'all yeah once again mark is a phoenix homie yep uh, we've been playing well recently yes just in DeAndre general Ayton has kind of found himself we beat the bucks also so mm-hmm. i mean like they have been looking good it's good at least it's nice to see it turn it towards the end of uh-huh. the season kelly Ubre also shout out good, good trade good, job. good, good trade job. for kelly Ubre. Yeah. I was going to say about that uh, <laughs> about that game. Um, the Warriors, they didn't. They just looked bored. Yeah, they I'm, just, I'm I mean, not worried. That happens to them a yeah, lot. <laughs> I, but I think you know, like something I noticed is the Marcus Cousins cannot play defense anymore. Like he, he, I'm not that he was a huge defensive stopper before, but Devin Booker ate him alive. He just went at him every possession that he could drew a foul and like basically played him off the floor i i am optimistic about that <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean um he he's too slow uh, on the defensive and his lateral movements are slow and every time that anyone uh drives on him it's it's almost always a foul just because he can't even get his limbs out of the way yeah, in time, okay. you know? You think it's just like a rust thing, like still getting used to the game speed? I think he was never really... Uh, it is based on what I've heard from other analysts. No, from analysts. I am not claiming to be an analyst. <laughs> from analysts and uh, from what I watched in that game. <laughs> I watched that, that game the last quarter of that game because I saw the score. Um, yeah, it's just... I think he's a he's a liability on defense. Probably partly his injury. I mean... I think a huge part is his injury. I, I mean, I'm not too familiar with the before and after. So uh, I didn't even really think about that. I mean, I just don't worry too much about the Warriors. Same. Yeah. They're probably going to win again. Anyway, the real big story in the NBA is that the LA Clippers are tied at sixth place with the San Antonio Spurs and the Utah Jazz. Or so I I think uh, now the Jazz are back because they lost to the Thunder today. But oh man, it feels good to be like decent. <laughs> <laughs> like we sucked for really long, and then we got good with Lob City, and then we sucked again, <laughs> and now we're good again. It's I mean, and, and you, we have no star. Yeah, you guys stayed um, pretty good after the Tobias highest trade. Yeah. We actually went up in ranking. Oh, you did? Yeah, we were ninth when Tobias Harris was on the team. And then, because we added, uh, I think it's Ga- Jared Temple. I'm not sure. Garrett. Garrett Temple. Garrett Temple and uh, Jamaica Green and Zubac. Yeah. They're big helps, man. And Landry Shamit, who knew was a light out shooter. <laughs> he had some big games in Philly. Yeah, he had a bunch in LA. Like a bunch. He's pretty much like right now a baby Reddick. 
Like that's what his role is. But he's a point guard. No, he's a shooting guard. Okay. But he plays small forward actually for us. Strange. Yeah. And uh, I just wanted to give a shout. The reason I wanted to mention that cause was just because uh, Lou Williams today became the uh, number one all-time scorer off the bench. All-time. In the I NBA. think I, yeah I saw that so uh, I'm really happy about that he is the lifeblood of the Clippers along with Montrez Harrell and Patrick Beverly <laughs> <laughs> I mean you guys got scrappy like vets who are just ready to play it's true and who don't want to lose yeah you know like they want to win yeah they're not tanking them on you guys I don't that's not the strategy that you yeah guys are it actually would have been more strategic to tank because then we would have kept the pick that we traded to I think it was Boston but it doesn't matter. It's like a late first round pick. Mm-hmm. You know, and you guys just wanted gap space, right? Yeah. And the draft pool isn't really that deep this year. So it's not really much to but I mean they're always gems. But you know, like it's nicer to, to have the team go already to the playoffs and then next year where we have space for two max guys, you know, they'll just put us over the top. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's it. I'm not gonna spend too long talking about the Clippers because Mark was uh needed to say distraught. About me putting that in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about the Clippers. Yeah, of course. And I care about all the teams in the NBA except maybe like the Grizzlies. Oh, yeah. But I care about Mike Conley. Yep, good guy. Mm, but yeah, that's. I think that's... I, I have one more thing here, but it actually relates more to our first thinking block topic okay so uh we can actually move on to the thinking block from here that's it for sports mentor i I think it's gonna stay (laughs) if people could see my face yep they would know that it's gonna stay (laughs) just because i really hope somebody gives us a good uh a good like a substitute name for this (laughs) yeah um anyway so now off to the thinking block I think we have to start adding those like sound clips just to transition us from segment to segment. Uh, I really, I, th- I think that it would be fun. I'll, get, I'll try and put it together and then let's see. What, sure. Then you can clean it up. So if you hear any sound effects, this is Clow. Yeah, yeah. If you don't, then we just decided maybe next time. Maybe. No, it's probably going to be next time. I don't think I have the time in the week to put together like three. But we'll see. Anyway, off to the thinking block. So this week... Uh, I came across an article which was talking about an idea that I think about a lot, which is how do we reconcile the art that we love being made by bad people? That's something that I think about often because a lot of the artists that I like have turned out to be <laughs> like really, really big assholes. <laughs> I don't know what it says about your character. I know, I know. It, I don't know. I think it says more about my judge of character. I know. You know, you like- I felt pretty bad about it. Like eventually, after like the fifth or sixth person, I was like, I'm a pretty bad judge. Or, or you know what? Maybe people just fuck up and now we're in a world living in blast. But also, some of the people that I idolized did some egregious shit. What are, <laughs> give us some examples. Uh, Louis so, C.K. is one. What do, I, you, what do you do? Just so that people know. What did Louis C.K. do? Louis C.K. would um, ask women on his writing team for his show, Louis and uh, Horace and Hor- uh, Pete and Horace. Horace and Pete, sorry. Uh, he would ask them into his uh, dressing room and then he would masturbate in front of them. 
he would ask them, uh, but obviously, you know, some of those women worked for him and they felt like a sort of pressure and that's not okay in any case. Except Sarah Silverman, she seemed to be totally cool with it. <laughs> Which I find to be hilarious. Um, that's very classic of her to be like, I thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah. Because okay. she's just like the most tactless woman I've ever seen. Wow. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so Louis C.K. is one. John Jones was another. Uh, Conor McGregor is one. He's done uh, just a bunch of shit that at this point I can't. I think that would be different anyway. Yeah. I don't want to get into it, but I just don't think that falls under the same. He's more like he just acts like a dick. Also no, John Jones. no, no. I, I'd argue Conor McGregor today was uh, was arrested. Yeah, but he all he did was grab someone's phone and smash it smash and take it. it. Celebrities he, do that. He took it with him. So he he didn't have to take it with him. Yeah, okay, but it's <laughs> like it's like he also threw the trolley. Yeah, at the and he insulted Khabib's fam. You know what I mean? Like, there's just there is the 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 facade and then there's just going too far. Yeah, okay, but you know? those two examples, I feel like. Like okay, like uh, we're talking about art. Eh? Anyway, I consider martial arts an art. I know, Sorry. I know, I know. Sorry. Like I mean, it's the output to me. But that it's just the different levels. There's levels to it. Yeah. What I mean, true, do, fine, yeah. What they do is is violent in nature, I guess. But but I thought the the ones we were going to focus on were yes, no, yeah. They are they are still like actual artists. Like uh, Pablo Picasso was one of my. <laughs> I was too, but you know, like he was a womanizer and also was a misogynist. So, like, how do you how do you reconcile these things? And the article that I read, I think it was on uh, either, I think it was on Vox. I saw that. Um, the examples they gave were Bill Cosby and uh, Johnny Depp mainly, actually, for Edward Scissorhands. Um, how do we how do we feel about? the the art that we love that we grow up with you know being made by people who are essentially monsters um again i think we gave a lot of examples so it's it's a bit hard to say what the general rule is right for for me at least that the starting point of this this argument or this question is really um, how you're supposed to approach art, right? I think we were talking about this before we started recording the pod. Um, there's certain schools of thought about how one has to treat art. One is a more postmodern approach where you consider the artist as dead, basically. Yeah. Not within the realm of considering the value of the art it's the, the the output and then there's you know the traditional where the artist and his biography his story is directly related to or connected to whatever output comes out and you can't disconnect that mm-hmm. um depending on which one you favor and which one you do kind of changes how you answer this question completely right mm-hmm. if you don't consider the artist to be relevant then you just say continue to consume the art it's the value of it is within it's intrinsic to itself like bill cosby creating fat albert as a cartoon you just judge fat albert as a cartoon in itself regardless of who made it and then there's the other side where like how can i consume this now that knowing 
that the person who made it is a monster or an evil person, right? Yeah. Um, I think in certain cases, one is better than the other. I, I, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to pick one method one method and sticking to that because there are cases where it's a bit more clear why I would pick the postmodern approach where there are some things where some pieces of art where they stand so strongly on their own like they transcend their creator mm-hmm. where it, I feel like tying them back to the creator would be missing the point uh, and then for some maybe like closer to Louis C.K. as a comedian where his whole act or his whole output is himself yeah. through his jokes at least mm-hmm. but basically he's giving his personality that's more tied to him Man, I can't disconnect that, that, that as been, easily that would have been the example I gave as well yeah because he actually makes jokes about jacking off in front of women and oh. like <laughs> it's like Man, it was funny when I thought that you didn't do it. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. Now that I know you actually did it, it's kind of like... That might just be you yeah, as a person. Which is... I don't know. If you're into that, like, that's cool. But That's not the point. I actually find it, I find it hilarious still, but it's just knowing that some women were like... They felt attacked by that. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, kind of ruins it for me. For sure, for sure. Yeah. But uh, I'll go ahead. Um, What I was going to say was... Because you mentioned earlier, like, since we gave a lot of examples, it's harder to pick out what the general rule might be. I don't think there is really a general rule. I think the general rule is you get to decide. Um, That's such a freaking Ateneo answer. Like, it's (laughs) subjective. (laughs) No, but, you know, in the end, I... uh, there, I, There definitely has to be a level of discernment about it. But I I just think that if it's what you want to consume, then consume it. And, you know, obviously, oh, I'm getting, like, deep in my head about this one. But, like, just try and not take away, try and not internalize too much of the bad. Um, especially if it's reflected in the work, like Louis C.K. Uh-huh. But also... I don't know. Like, I would still enjoy. I still watch his 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 bits sometimes. You know, like on YouTube. Like, I still because I find it funny. I've even I've even uh, listened to his newer stuff, and it's a little angry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's still funny. It's just it's just a. I don't know. It's I think it goes also into the conversation of like how. At what point do we allow people to redeem themselves if they're still continuing to do art or like if they're a monster, if they were a monster in the past, like like Picasso doesn't really have a chance anymore to redeem himself. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, Well, let me let me try to like lead or like guide this back not to let's like set some some framework at least so mm-hmm. that people could work on it. Um, you, I think the first step again is what kind of approach you're taking. I think we both agree that there's no singular yeah. correct approach. It will depend upon your feeling about the art prior to knowing about this person's past. Um, basically, your personality and stuff. It's just hard to decide which method is correct. And both are, I think, equally acceptable if applied right. Sure. The second is, I think, well, the question that I come up with next is, 
what are you trying to get out of the art? Like you said, um, this art has a value, right? Again, like you said, my example again could be Bill Cosby, I guess, Fat Albert, the cartoon. Just because I think Fat Albert is so clearly like a wholesome cartoon. Yeah. It has a good message. So that in itself, that piece of art, you can say objectively it's a good thing. Made by an evil person. Now, when you consume that art, do you are you able to get a good the good effect out of it, that positive effect mm-hmm. out of it, right? And if you if you are able to, that means that there's a chance that this is still useful. That cartoon that if I show it to a little kid, just don't tell him who Bill Cosby is and what he did. If he watches that cartoon, will he pick up those good messages that Fat Albert was trying to teach? Mm-hmm. So let's just say you can. Just for the sake of the argument, right? Yeah. In that case, now you have to decide whether that thing is more important than making sure that the person who did this is punished or, you know, not allowed to express themselves anymore because they violated some law, some social norm that we think that makes them evil. Uh-huh. So, in a, if you think it's more important to let a kid learn from Fat Albert rather than, um, Stopping him from watching it to make sure that you don't allow people like Bill Cosby to, to be, um, uh, normalized. It would be a good yeah, word. Yeah, sure. That's I think the next big question, right? In that case, that's what you said. You try to take in as much of the good, and not take in the bad, but at the same time, it's like, what do you really want? What's more important anyway to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I came across the. Uh like a similar dilemma when Green Book won um, Best Picture in the Oscars because apparently the family of Don Shirley wasn't uh, wasn't uh, consulted for the film. And basically, they, they claimed that Don Shirley never wanted his likeness to be portrayed in, in cinema either. That's what the family claimed. And, you know, but I watched Green Book with my, with my parents. Mm-hmm. And it was good, you know? I, I actually enjoyed the movie, but also, like, you know, it was completely against the wishes of the... It's not exactly an evil creator, but, but there was just some... There was, like, a cognitive dissonance still. And it made me think, like, there... <laughs> It's so hard to it's so hard to be objective about these types of things because you want to accept that I mean you don't want to accept that the people who make the art that you love are just as like imperfect or even in some of the cases we mentioned more evil than you for sure, you know, and I don't know. I I I I think I wanted to talk about this because I don't really know how to feel about it. So I figured maybe talking about it would create some sort of like a clearer picture in my head. And I'm trying to think, like, if we did disregard all the work that was done by monsters, let's say like they, there's just, let's say there's like some statute of limitation, mm-hmm. and then. We disregard all their work. Would that make us better off? Yeah, you know, like is that is that good? Um, 
it 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 I, it depends on also the perspective that you're taking. Uh from because you can argue both ends where by allowing us to continue consuming it, that means you're letting people get away with things, right? Like you're saying, as long as you make good art, we'll you can do whatever the fuck you want. No, I mean you'll still be punished, but you're not out of the game. Yeah. In a in a way, right? There's always something. I mean, like even like R. Kelly now. It's like people still bail him out because they're like, I guess they're fans, right? Or yeah, because they have that uh, emotional investment in his music. Yeah, it becomes harder now because I think also some the way we consume art is we also put our own projection on it. Yeah. So when, like you said, you like the movie or whatever, it becomes less of their thing and become more of my thing. And when you find out that the person who helped create my thing is evil it's like how could it be how could my thing yeah, be like, evil am i evil yeah like like you were saying a while ago like you're uh, judge of character shit. but that might not be the case now right god i hope not <laughs> i hope i'm not evil yeah it, so uh, it's it's a it's a weird path to tread yeah what you want to do you have to ask yourself those questions i think in the end it's more of a personal exercise than a societal um, standard true I th- that's a good way to put it the reason why I say that again because art becomes so personal for yourself and it for each person it comes in differently songs people react to songs differently react to movies differently from that alone it could mean an infinite number of things to an infinite number of people and for them to treat it with a blanket policy is might not it won't work I don't think it will work yeah for sure and even in that case, the reason why another reason why it wouldn't work is because this is an emotional response. I think I was trying to mention earlier, when we talk about these things, we're dealing with emotion. We're not dealing with straight logic. Um, we're not dealing with cold, hard numbers where it's like plus, minus, mm-hmm. and we just choose the ones with the bigger pluses and get rid of the ones with the minus. We're dealing with emotions where there's inner conflict, um, whether you, like you said, or your example, where now you enjoy it, should I still be enjoying it? Does that make me a bad person? Yeah, that's a whole argument in itself. So, how can you blame someone for making a decision that you don't agree with regarding how they treat art? So, if like you, you decide I'm still going to consume some forms of art made by evil people with a certain caveat that I'll try to weed through that bad if that bad and get the good out of it. Yeah, or like uh I'll I'll still watch the movie but I will not share it on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. How can I blame you for that? You've got your own reasons. Um there's no set way of doing it, so I'm not I can't blame you for like breaking a norm. There's no norm for this, right? Not that I know of. Not yet. Not yet. I Not think yet. the reason I think the reason that this is still a conversation right now is because it's, it has hasn't re- the idea really hasn't. It's kind of new. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because not everyone was on blast before, mm-hmm. you know, and now they are. And we find out that all of these uh, iconic people, you know, they they're human too, and some of them are less human than <laughs> than we thought. 
uh, on the negative in a negative sense. But it, you know what I realized too? Bill Cosby made Little Bill. <laughs> Shit, man. <laughs> oh, man I no. fucking I love talk- Little Bill. I was talking about Fat Albert. You're right. Little yeah. Bill, I really watched that. And it's a good yeah. so Day in, day out. It's a legitimate good cartoon, right? Oh, I mean, good man. message, everything. So what do you do with that? What do you do? How the fuck does a guy that makes something like that? No, I mean, you got to be kind of twisted, really. I'll, I'll, I'll share what I would do in that case. Mm-hmm. So in, in the case of Little Bill... The way that I see this, when I watched it, I was watching Little Bill. I wasn't watching Bill Cosby. I wasn't getting Bill Cosby's message. I didn't even know who Bill Cosby was, honestly. Yeah, I didn't know who. I just knew he was like in the intro or whatever. Yeah. So it's like, for me, Little Bill functions so far beyond whatever Bill Cosby did. I can't even, it would be so hard for me to connect him because I'm not, I don't relate to Bill Cosby at all. So in that sense, if I, stop consuming that art would it change my view of Bill Cosby not really I, I mean I think he's a monster that's why but little Bill has no effect on that because I they were always separate to me true I think that's I think there's something to be said about that I don't know if, if that's positive or negative or that, if, that it has to be yeah negative. I don't I don't know if I'm right but what yeah. I'm saying is Bill, little Bill was never tied to Bill Cosby in the first place so for, for me, you for you yeah for me I don't think it would be productive for me to stop watching it well, just to say like that i don't watch it today yeah yeah yeah. but like to just turn my back on it and say that's because it's made by bill cosby because it was never about that it would be different for other things like um if it was i knew if it was if i was able to also relate to the person who made it like comedians like louis ck mm. it's a bit harder just because it's like this thing is tied to that person i like this person because of this thing yeah, I guess it does go back to that, like the whole idea that like... It depends on how you consume the art in the first place. And how much of... I guess how much of the artist is directly in the art that they're making. Yeah. yeah. It's a subjective thing, but yeah, that's definitely true. Is the That's what I was saying, like, does it transcend the artist who made it already? So... We're at 55 right now. Oh, gonna, okay. We've been good. on for 55 minutes. I think we still yeah. got some some juice left. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm liking the conversation so far. Uh, where was I? Um, the, it, the, the consumption of art, I think, the, that's where you can start asking those questions. And then... It leads to a lot of different questions. When you talked about redemption, that's a different topic. That's not about us consuming art. It's allowing someone else to continue expressing themselves. Yeah. I think we can talk about that like another time. Yeah. It's, it's a topic in itself. Like, oh, I think I, I remember now. The point we were is like, how can we see if the, how much of the artist is within the art? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, that's also a key factor because it's like, like for me again, the little Bill example, Bill Cosby's nowhere in there, so that's why it was so easy for me to separate. For something, um, like even a Kevin Spacey movie where he's been in so many movies that I like that it ties into him as a person. You know, like you, he's a good actor in a lot of movies that mm-hmm. I've seen, so that means 
it's not anymore just a specific character isolated. It's Kevin Spacey as an actor and what he's ab- his ability to express himself. Yeah. And that one, it's more linked. That's why maybe now like a, Kev- a Kevin Spacey movie gets a bit weirder than watching Little Bill, per- for example. It yeah. would feel weirder. And it, I mean, Kevin Spacey had that one movie, American Beauty. That was a weird movie anyway. But. It was a weird movie and like it's kind of even weirder now that we know everything. <laughs> Except, the, you know, the fact that he wasn't gay in the movie. But, yeah. You know, like the whole idea of like underage kid and like it was, I mean, it won an Oscar. Oh, it did? It, I'm pretty sure it did. That's that's fucking crazy. Pretty fucked, man. But, but it was different times. Yeah, too. but it was in a, also like a positive movie. Pay it forward. You ever watched? Oh, that? that was a really good movie. Yeah. So now, now look at you. <laughs> what do we do with this? Pay but, it forward is a good objective movie with a good message. With the main character played by a gay rapist, gay pedophile rapist. Wow. <laughs> Kevin Spacey, yeah. <laughs> so there, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm giving examples and I'm giving you the the process that I would go through because I, 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 like I said, I don't think there's a blanket policy. So I'm just at least giving you examples of how I might play it out through my mind, and if you you can take anything from that, yeah. I think what I can do is maybe say what I would do as a process. Um. I think it would be more of I think I would initially right off the bat like if I knew from the get go that the guy who made the thing was like a monster and then but the thing that he made is pretty much completely unrelated to what he did like the specific thing that he did wrong sure I would still probably look at the consume like, with consume caution. It. Yeah. But like So wait, so consume with caution. Basically. Keep it in your mind but at the same time let's see what else is in this thing. Yeah, because there's also a level of technique that I like to break down. Sure. When I when I consume art, you sure. know, if I'm looking at a painting, I want to see why did they choose like what did they do with the colors to make it look like this thing is is photorealistic or what did they do to create that like thick layer of paint that's you know or if i'm looking at a at a movie um what did this what was the writing that made me what was the line that made me feel so strongly about this so you're coming at it from an objective sense first kind of like a postmodern thing where it's like looking at the art in itself in first. itself first okay but again if it's from the get-go that i know that the artist is a monster and if their work does kind of reflect the negativity that they've done mm-hmm. i'm probably gonna stay away just because i don't i don't want to validate it by consuming it okay I guess. sure you know but, but i mean you can look at something and be like this is bad but why even give it the time of day anymore if you know that it's doing that? Yeah. Because it does it well. That's it's kind of sick still. You know, it's kind of there's still something wrong with that. I think where I'm still a little I don't know what I'm supposed to do is 
in a situation with like Louis C.K. where I didn't know when I first started consuming his comedy specials and his art because his writing is really fucking good, man. Like, his, oh, he's, his, good. he's a good comedian. And his, his, if you haven't seen Horace and Pete, you would actually love it. I that. don't think I've seen it. Dude, it's him and Steve Buscemi. They put on a stage oh. play but recorded on uh, a camera. Oh, you mentioned it to me. Yeah, it's really good, man. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I didn't know that he was this sex, sex offender when I watched that stuff. And then when I found out the news, I, I, I also didn't know how to feel. Yeah, I think the first the first example you gave is a lot easier for, I think, everyone to to navigate through prior knowledge. You can make a lot of decisions from yeah. that which will make it a lot easier for you to separate whatever you need to, to separate and know what the effects are of supporting this. Yes. The one of where you have an emotional tie beforehand, like for Louis C.K., that's where it becomes a bit different because it creates that disconnect between your previous um, perception of him and your, your post-whatever event, right? Exactly. There's a lot of, I think, also nuance to... Um, even that dynamic because my thought was when this if this person was doing art for a long time let's just say for like 20 years right um 20 years ago when he was doing it let's just say he wasn't doing his evil acts yet he did it 10 years down the road pa. Mm -hmm. so the thing i got to know him 20 years ago and he did it 10 years ago was he uh, then he did it 10 years after whatever evil act that he did. Does that mean that he, when he, does that mean that when I started knowing about him 20 years ago, he was already that evil guy and he just hadn't acted on it yet? Or had, had he changed? So yeah. do you, do you understand like if someone made it before, if someone made their piece of art before they did whatever evil act, that makes them does evil it make today. It okay? Does it make it okay? Because does that mean that the person back then wasn't the same person who we have now? And does that mean that that art is not um, uh, contaminated with with him? Yeah, so you can that? you can watch everything before April two thousand eighteen, basically. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, but but you know what? You, I get what yeah, you're trying you to say, and and I think that goes into a whole other conversation of. Um, but it will change how you're now it will change your criteria now because it will it adds a layer to that per previous yeah quote, but, like but the timeline right what I'm saying yeah that's true and I, I agree with that I, I just think that that goes into another conversation of like how can you tell if somebody has just like always been a shitty person mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or if they did a bunch of because I, I, I've seen or I've heard about people I've seen people who have either been the same way their whole lives or changed drastically you know um and that you know it's definitely a hard thing yeah. but it's just something that will even complicate why this thing is so hard in the first place mm -hmm. right why is this question so hard it's not as simple as just like just stop yeah I mean, it's I not think, that easy i think that's why i wanted to talk about this more than anything um i don't want anything really to be seen as like black and white mm -hmm. I don't think either of us are into that like we we really do 
like observing what the gray area has to offer in terms of understanding the full picture of uh, any subject and this in in this specifically you know you it's so easy to say oh uh louis ck is a sexual offender he doesn't deserve anyone to consume his art anymore and i just don't know that that is a definitively true statement i think that's a dangerous statement in fact just because it might be a fine thing to say if you're not a fan of louis ck but let's just say it's a fan of let's just um someone you know like if it's like a personal friend who did something wrong and Mm -hmm. then now does it just stop talking to this person right yeah do we completely just cut them out the reason why i say it's dangerous is because part of the bigger picture is like how do we um treat someone who made mistakes that general concept what do we do about people who make mistakes or mistakes in society it goes back to redemption too yeah that's why so giving such a black and white um statement yeah it's kind of careless i think if someone were Mm -hmm. i don't want to offend anyone but if that was your stance that you just say just stop immediately without going through whatever process that we're trying to outline now i think you're also being quite um ignorant of what why this is important not important just for louis ck but just for us in general as trying to navigate these kinds of complicated topics Mm -hmm. if you're not able to apply that kind of nuance and discernment here how can you expect to do it in daily life daily life or in other topics about other pressing issues sure yeah so that's why i think this question is more important or not more important but it's an important one and it reflects um more than just art itself yeah right that's true I wish we could talk more about this, um, but there's only so many things we can discuss <laughs> until it becomes a circular conversation. Yeah, and just, also, it's been like an hour and five minutes. Let's, let's let's just try to pack it up for people, just so that they know what we what we came up with at least in okay. a clear like cut way. Okay. So, first step or first thing that is important, you must be willing to discern regarding the art that you consume i think we both agree that it's important to take this issue on number one right sorry but and by discern we mean think deeply about it you know don't just consider what everybody else is going to think or what your, your parents will think like think about how you feel about this and how you want your choice to reflect you as a person Mm -hmm. anyway it might still lead you to saying stop consuming the art. That's fine. That's fine. But at least you gave it some good thought. Yeah. Second is understand, I think, that the approach differs for everybody. If you're going to have a conversation about this with your friends, you're going to have disagreements. That should be fine. Again, what you want is people to be thinking deeply and honestly about it. Mm-hmm. With an open mind, of course. Agree in a civil manner. And the third is also think about what you're trying to get from the art. I think that's all in the end that will help you make the final decision, I think. It's an emotional, like we said before, it's an emotional response. So you really have to understand what it's making you feel, right? Mm -hmm. 
It can also, I mean, there are practical decisions about it, like money involved, if you're going to pay or not, whatever. But you just have to understand what does this make you feel and if that feeling is also correct. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I think the only thing that I can maybe give us like a piece of a, like a guideline is to consider um, in instances where a person who's done terrible things makes something that attempts to do something good like let's say let's say let's go back to bill cosby and and uh little bill let's say like sure. little bill's uh ideas were basically just like make wholesome, friends good. whatever wholesome but then you have to consider also if you care that the person that created that was hypocritical you know and uh for sure you decide you decide if you're going to uh qualify the goodness of the art by whether it's consistent with the artist or not yeah you decide how much you want to factor that into your decision mm-hmm. right so again it's part of like that fe- emotional decision mm-hmm. you take it into account and you make your i think i think if you if you disagree with me um let let me know but i think um i wouldn't blame anyone for a certain decision that they make. Like you said, you still enjoy Louis C.K.'s bits. Some person, another person who was also a fan might not. I don't think I would blame either of you for going down this decision as long as you've gone through those discerning steps. Because, mm-hmm. again, it's so art is so different for everyone. They consume it and take it in so differently. You can't apply your standards to another person so so rigidly. It's true. So I think anyone out there who's having a hard time or just wants to try it, don't be afraid, you know. You can as long as you explain what you went through, I think that's more than reasonable enough. And don't and don't lie to yourself about what constitutes as art. Like don't try and consume something that like is so obviously like terrible. You know what I mean? <laughs> like there are some things that are just you can't there it's not okay. <laughs> I'm not even gonna name them because that's just it's gonna sound odd, but just try and take a general temperature of what people will consider as acceptable. Or yeah, I think that's different. Yeah, for sure. There are some things that were meant to be, were never meant to yeah. uh, <laughs> be good from the start. Or they were yeah. had like sinister purposes. Don't do, don't, don't watch yeah. that. Man. At the end of the day, though, it's your life, man. You make your choices. Yeah, just, just I'd get mad at someone who wasn't taking these steps. Sure. Even if they're saying, I don't watch because it it's bad. Because it's made by a bad yeah. person. Like, okay. I'd, but say so you thought about it deeply. Yeah. That's why I'd, I'd be more mad at the person who didn't. And you just said, yeah. I just don't watch it because it's bad. Yeah. And I'd be like, why? He doesn't know. Yeah. Versus the guy's like, I decided to anyway, but I know that yeah. this is what it comes with. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I can understand that. Stay mindful, y'all. Yeah. Stay mindful. Anyway. That was episode four of No One's Homies. Once again, this is Clow. This is Mark. Peace out, people. Peace.